Dear guests of the Promised Messiah, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. As has been mentioned, the title of my talk today is Allah, the ray of hope in the darkness of despair. This concept of hope through Allah is relevant to all, young, old, male, female, rich, or poor. No matter what someone's gender, background, or living situation might be, there is a high likelihood that at some point in their life, they will face a situation that seems, and the key word here is seems, devastating, if not impossible, to resolve. However, for those who truly understand Allah's mercy, His grace, and have a connection with Him, they manage to get through these events in their lives with the patience that only a true believer can exhibit. Today, due to the pressures of growing up in our society, this concept of hope through Allah is critical for our youth to understand for they are being bombarded with messages and pressures that are contrary to the teachings of Islam, and as a result, are being lured into actions that in their mind enable them to fit into the crowd, but could very well lead to despair. And nowadays, being part of the crowd certainly means having a social media presence. This could be in the form of a Facebook page, be on Twitter or Snapchat, or have presence on some other social media platform. Now, speaking directly to our youth, I empathize with you because it's not easy if your friends are constantly pressuring you to get on Facebook. It's probably the only way that they expect you to communicate with them. Picking up the phone and calling someone directly is a thing of the past. It is so much easier to simply post a message on Snapchat or someone's Facebook page and wait for them to get back to you. But like anything in life, these technical advancements that social media has brought to our society has its pros and cons. They are great for expressing viewpoints and staying connected with each other. In fact, it has been prophesized that in the latter days, tools will become available that help spread the message of Islam and Medea to the corners of the world. And it is, it is our responsibility to take advantage of these tools for the good of Islam and Madiyat. However, as individuals, and this goes for adults as well, we need to be careful of the negative consequences of social media platforms. For instance, posting your picture online opens you up to scrutiny and the risk of cyberbullying and body shaming. Now, cyberbullying may be a relatively new phenomenon, but this concept of exposing weaknesses and shame in order to cause despair was mentioned over 1,400 years ago in the Quran. Verse 28 of chapter 7 states, O children of Adam, let not Satan seduce you, even as he turned your parents out of the garden, stripping them of their raiment that he might show them their shame. Truly he sees you, he and his tribe, from where you see them not. Surely, 
we have made Satan's friends for those who believe not. This verse serves as a reminder to us that exposing of weaknesses and shame in order to cause despair and darkness in someone's life is the work of Satan and those with evil intentions. And social media makes it that much easier for someone to be the source of that despair. But to fully appreciate the dangers of social media, I think it's important that we briefly reflect on how exactly things have changed for a typical adolescent in our society. <clears throat> Again, I address our youth directly when I say this. Your parents grew up in a time before the explosion of smart devices and the ability to access the internet in their hands and at any time. In fact, when the parents and adults in this hall would hang around and speak to their friends, they would be meeting them in person, at school or outside of school. And if back in those days someone had a slip of the tongue, for instance, they said something embarrassing about themselves and did not realize the ramifications until after the words had left their mouth, back then, something like this would have stayed in the school. Maybe the individuals would have been teased right then and there, but for the most part, it would have been forgotten and everyone would have moved on. Let's now take this same scenario and replay it in the year 2017 to better appreciate the pressures that you, our youth, are facing. Two major differences exist between then and now. Number one, a high likelihood that today this conversation amongst individuals is occurring over some social media platform. The other difference is that the teasing and bullying resulting from someone posting an embarrassing comment or image would not come to a natural conclusion. This is because whatever is posted to social media is there for everyone to see. So this innocent comment or mistake by this one individual is then forwarded and becomes viral. And now the cyberbullying begins. Anytime the youth looks at his phone or email, he's receiving messages causing him emotional stress and a feeling of isolation eventually leading to depression. Thoughts start to enter his mind that there is no solution to his problem and ultimately, and unfortunately, such a person succumbs to something, doing something as drastic as taking even his own life. Alhamdulillah, we Ahmadis do not have any such cases where individuals have taken such extreme measures. However, cyberbullying, body shaming, and other attacks upon individuals via social media is a very real problem. And therefore, we are obligated to take necessary precautions such that we do not fall into these ills of society. Like the disease of drugs and alcohol, the ill effects of social media are also a disease, one that does not discriminate as to what your cultural, or religious background might be. As Ahmadis, there are many things we are doing or can do to combat this problem of cyberbullying and other forms of harassment that lead to despair. As a teenager, you are probably receiving some training in school as to how to protect yourself online. At least we hope you're getting that training. Or your parents might be speaking to you directly about the dangers of the internet and social media. 
Parents might be closely monitoring use of these social media sites or simply preventing their children from having any social media presence, which, by the way, I recognize is not as easy as it sounds. A determined youth will find a way, whether by creating a fake account or sharing their friend's account to get online. At the end of the day, all of us, youth and adults, should do as much as possible to shelter and protect ourselves and our children from these ills. But we must, but we must all recognize that we have our limitations and ultimately, protection against these ills can only be found by building a living relationship with Allah, for he is the ray of hope in the darkness of despair. Now, <clears throat> before I delve into some humble suggestions on how you, as a pre-teenager or teenager, can develop that everlasting bond and relationship with the Almighty, it is important that we first understand the meaning of ta'luq billah. This is the Arabic word for living relationship with Allah. The word ta'luq is from the Arabic word root of an, lam, qaf, which has the meaning of adhesiveness, attachment, and love. Keeping this Arabic definition in mind, we can say that to have a living relationship with Allah means that you have a relationship of love with Him. Love for Him, His creations, and His commandments. Understanding pathways to ta'alluq billah is imperative. For when you face challenges in life, you will need the confidence and understanding that Allah is there for you and will not turn away from your supplications. He is the lone source of help and is ever ready to provide the solace and comfort that one needs during times of difficulty. Now, how does an adolescent build a living relationship with Allah? Well, it's not going to be any different than what we would do as adults. It's just that we must all recognize that it requires effort. Think about how you love your parents, siblings, and relatives. They are on your mind, in your prayers, and you work hard to develop a relationship of love and trust with them. Well, when you're building a relationship of love with your maker, it will require sacrifice on your part. You will want to understand what are the things that please Allah and accordingly focus your intention, your attention on those. The Promised Messiah salam, refers to this exercise of bettering ourselves as a mujahida or spiritual exercise. We are reminded of this in verse 70 of chapter 29 of the Holy Quran where Allah states, and as for those who strive in our path, we will surely guide them in our ways and verily, Allah is with those who do good. This mujahida leads us to self-purification or tazkiyah in nafs. For when we purify ourselves, it brings us that much closer to the Almighty. Ultimately, the steps we take to develop this living relationship with God must constantly be treated and recognized as a struggle. Because if we think it's going to be easy to develop a living relationship with God, and we are not willing to make the necessary sacrifice to better ourselves, to purify ourselves, then we are setting ourselves up for failure. As a first step to building this relationship with God, it's important that we understand His attributes. 
specifically attributes that speak to his mercy and forgiveness. These being Al-Rahim, the merciful, Al-Ghafar, the forgiver, Al-Ghafur, the all-forgiving, and Al-Awf, the pardoner. You see, one of the mistakes we adults and parents make is that we constantly remind our children that Allah is watching and will punish them for their mistakes. Now, certainly accountability is an important part of our faith. But it is not too often that someone sits their child down and says, yes, you made a mistake, but do you recognize that Allah is all merciful and forgiving? That you can turn to him and seek his forgiveness for your error in judgment and the missteps that you have taken. But what we adults tend to do is only focus on the punishment aspect of things. And if that's the only aspect of Allah that a child really comprehends, then there is very little chance that they will turn to him for help. Because in their minds, judgment has already been passed and there is nothing that can save them. There is a beautiful hadith that describes how Allah responds to those who implore to him and seek him out. The hadith speaks volumes to his glorious attributes. It is as follows. Anas relates that the Holy Prophet says, Allah says, when a servant of mine advances towards me a foot, I advance towards him a yard. And when he advances towards me a yard, I advance towards him the length of his arms spread out. When he comes to me walking, I go to him running. Once you have an appreciation for Allah's attributes, you can take that understanding with you into your prayers, as prayer is a critical pathway to establishing that living relationship with Allah. We are reminded of the importance of prayers by the Promised Messiah when he states, in short, prayer is that sovereign remedy which converts a handful of dust into precious metal. It is the water which washes out inner impurities. This habit of five daily prayers is essential, but let us not make them rituals, but rather a meaningful conversation with God. <clears throat> a conversation where we are willing to submit ourselves in front of the Almighty and be forthright about the challenges or issues that we may be facing. Whether that be cyberbullying, online harassment, or some other form of difficulty, when praying, we must also take account of ourselves. Are we truly following the right path? Along these lines, the Prophet says, until a person does not have a trove of real good deeds, until then he is not a believer. That is why Allah has taught the prayer, guide us in the right path in Surah Fatiha that man may not understand it a virtue just not committing grave sins like theft, adultery, etc. Rather, it is clarified by saying, the path on those on whom thou hast bestowed thy blessings. That reward is a separate thing. Unless one attains it, he cannot be considered good and pious. Notice that Allah has not taught the prayer that do not count me among the sinful and the transgressors, but rather taught that count me among the ones who are blessed. It is also imperative that we recognize that any time any of us are aiming to have a meaningful conversation with God, 
we realize that we must be humble in front of him. Something that we are reminded of in chapter 23, verse 2 to 3, where it states, surely success does come to the believers who are humble in their prayers. In fact, the Islamic form of prayer promotes a natural state of humility, something the promised Messiah relates to us in the philosophy of the teachings of Islam. The promised Messiah says, it has also been observed that physical prostration in prayer induces humility in the soul. When we are humble, we are more apt to recognize our faults and weaknesses and seek true repentance. Behavior that God Almighty is pleased with, as stated in chapter 25, verse 72 of the Holy Quran, where God says, and those who repent and do righteous deeds indeed turn to Allah with true repentance. The Holy Prophet said the following about the results of when someone truly repents. A hadith by Hazrat Anas bin Malik states that the state of a person who repents of his sins is a person who never committed that sin. In regards to repentance, the promised Messiah said, so hasten to win God's pleasure. He goes on to say, he, God, is very benevolent. Through the one moment of the repentance that melts to heart, he can forgive the sins spread over 70 years. <clears throat> Five daily prayers make up one aspect of our spiritual foundation. Daily recitation of the Holy Quran make up the other. If this spiritual foundation of ours is weak, then all spiritual and worldly pursuits will be weak and lack the eternal blessings of the Almighty. Therefore, my dear young brother, I encourage you to read the Quran on a daily basis. It is yet one more avenue by which you can build and refine your relationship with Allah. One real-world example of the blessings of the Holy, Holy Quran are from the life of Dr. Abdul Salam. Dr. Salam would carry a small copy of the Quran with him and while conducting research, he would listen to take recitation of the Holy Quran. Now imagine what impact the Holy Quran could have on your lives as you study and progress through your schooling. Earlier, I had mentioned that to have a living relationship with Allah means to have a relationship of love for Him. Thus far, avenues of expressing that love that I have discussed are understanding the attributes of Allah, having a humble and active conversation with Allah during our prayers, reciting the Holy Quran on a daily basis. One more pathway to demonstrating love for Allah is demonstrating love for His Prophet Muhammad In practical terms, it boils down to us seeing the Holy Prophet Muhammad as a mentor. For the Holy Prophet exemplifies how all of us, young and old, should be modeling our lives. Some ways that you, our youth, can mimic the Holy Prophet is through your devotion of Allah and reciting optional nawafal prayers as the means of seeking Allah's protection. I humbly encourage you to constantly recite the Rud, for there is tremendous blessing in doing so. And in regards to this, the Holy Prophet said, whoever will say the Rud on me one time, 
Allah will send ten times the blessing on him. Reciting the Rood, the promise regarding the Rood, the promised Messiah Allah has said, certainly no grace can reach anyone without the agency of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Invoking blessings on the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam brings into the movement his throne from which these streams of light issue. He who desires to obtain the grace of the God Almighty should invoke the blessings on him persistently so that divine grace might be moved. The Promised Messiah also emphasized seeking the company of the righteous, also referred to as Sobhati Salihim. And from the following hadith, we know the Holy Prophet preferred the company of the virtuous. The hadith is as follows. A man who keeps company with virtuous people is like a person who carries about musk with him. If he partakes of it, he derives benefit from it. If he sells it, he makes a profit out of it. And if he merely keeps it, he enjoys its perfume. A man who keeps company with evil persons is like one who blows into a charcoal furnace. All that he can expect is that a spark may alight upon his clothes and set them on fire, or the gas admitted by the charcoal may upset his brain. I ask our youth to think about the company they are currently keeping. Are these individuals meeting the definition of virtuous people? If not, then you run the risk of being burnt by their actions and misdeeds. Ultimately, the Promised Messiah was, to, was able to establish a living relationship with, the Almighty, with Allah Almighty through his love for the Holy Prophet and reciting the Rood. As it relates to the love of the Holy Prophet the Promised Messiah states, it is my personal experience that to obey the Holy Prophet with a sincere heart and to love him ultimately makes a person beloved of God. God creates in his heart a burning for his own love and such a one withdrawing his heart from everything else leans towards God and his affection and desire remain only for God Almighty. Thereupon, a special manifestation of divine love falls upon him and bestowing upon him the full color of love and devotion pulls him towards itself with great force. Another pathway to building a living relationship with God is to build a relationship with God's chosen Khalifa. The system of Khilafat is by far the greatest blessing that God has bestowed upon the Ahmadiyya Jamaat. The Khalifa is our Imam. When we are firmly positioned behind the Imam and demonstrate true obedience to him, we receive the protection and security that comes with that obedience. This is confirmed in the following hadith of the Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam, where he states, verily the Imam is a shield. Speaking directly to our youth, one very practical means of establishing a relationship with the Khalifa is by writing letters to him. Write to him about your career and educational aspirations. And as you get used to writing to Hazur about different aspects of your life, it will be easier and natural for you to share your concerns with him as well. Hazur himself has discussed how he prays for the Jamaat and its members in his khutbah of June 6, 2014, Hazur states, 
the Khalifa of the time has a personal connection with people of all backgrounds and all races. Hazur continues, there is no problem, be it of the Jamaat or someone's private life, life of which the Khalifa of the time is not aware, for which he does not make practical efforts and does not turn to God to pray. Writing to Hazur can work miracles, and there are many adults in this room who will attest to this fact. Where you, may where you may find that there is an unmovable object in front of you, but by praying for yourself and requesting Hazur to also pray for the situation, inshallah, it will result in that obstacle being removed. In conclusion, my dear brothers, I would like to leave you with two additional points to ponder over. My first point is directed towards parents and adults. As parents, we must serve as excellent examples for our children. It is easy to turn around and tell a child that you must do X, Y, and Z, whether that be reading five daily prayers or reciting the Holy Quran on a daily basis. But those instructions and requests are fruitless unless we, as parents, are executing on them ourselves. If a child is observing their own parent failing to practice what they are preaching and not striving to develop a living relationship with God, then you cannot fault that youth for doing the same. The second point is for our youth, but certainly it is relevant to all. And that is what the Promised Messiah has said about the protection God provides those who have a connection with the Almighty. The Promised Messiah writes, if you really become God's, meaning his beloved, then rest assured that God is your, is your very own. While you sleep, he will keep watch over you. While you neglect your vigil against the enemy, he will keep an eye on him and disrupt his plans. Even now, you have no idea what wondrous powers your God has. If you had known, then no day could have dawned on you for you to grieve over for lack of things in this world. A man who has a treasure in his possession, does he weep and cry over the loss of a penny as though he were about to perish? Had you been aware of this treasure that God would suffice for all your needs, what reason was there for you to be so wholly absorbed in the things of this world? God is a most precious treasure. Realize its proper value. I close my speech with a prayer that our beloved Khalifa mentioned in his khutbah of April 4, 2014. Hazur said, May God enable us to attain the standards which the promised Messiah alayhi salam, expects of us. May he enable us to turn to him with sincerity and achieve his love, and may we be admitted to the gardens of his pleasure. Amen. <laughs>